Welcome to Florida Baptist Church Sunday service of the 24th of January in the year 2021. It is a joy to have you with us. The house of God. And you are with me, your brother in Christ, Gideon and Benny, serving as an under shepherd of this local church of Florida Baptist Church. We are going through the book of Daniel, and we find ourselves in Daniel chapter 2 this morning. And our scripture reading is taken from verse 24 all the way to verse 35 of that book of Daniel. Has life felt like a nightmare to you? Have you been having sleepless nights? Are you confused by what you are seeing around us? Are you perplexed and in panic in this season? Then this is the right time that we can then come together, hear the Word of God preached and expounded from this book. And as we see and we've been looking at this book, we will then look and join together to see as to what is it that the Lord is revealing to Daniel the prophet. So let's come together, even before we would read the word of God. Let's come and worship the Lord even as we ask him to be with us before we would hear his word preached and read to us. Shall we bow our heads and we pray together? Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning. We say thank you so much for your mercy and for your grace upon us. We thank you that you've been with us, O oh God, throughout this week. We honor you for your faithfulness indeed and for your grace towards us. Your love upon us, we say with the psalmist, is better than life. Yet we acknowledge that although you have bestowed your love towards us, we have not worshipped you as we should. Although you have poured out your grace upon us, we have not been thankful unto you. But rather, instead of giving thanks and praise unto you, we have worshipped and we have turned to the things that are created instead of you, the Creator. And this morning we bow before you and we implore of you that you be merciful upon us as a people. May you be merciful upon us, O oh Father, as a nation, as a generation, even in this time of this pandemic, when our hearts are heavy and our minds tend not to comprehend what you are doing, we look up to you. And I'm very much aware that some have lost their loved ones in this time. And oh God, in our mourning we have murmured. In our mourning we have grumbled. In our affliction we have not turned unto you to praise you for who you are. We have doubted your promises. We have questioned your goodness. Yet you are patient with us. You are working even in our weaknesses. You are the one who causes all things to work together for our good. So this morning we lay our hearts before you that you alone who is worthy of all the praise will be highly exalted above our circumstances. You'll be highly exalted above our fears. May you be exalted above our stubbornness that you may reign as king and God 
over our seasons, over our souls, over our nation, and over every situation we ever face. So we turn to you, lifting our holy hands to you, saying glory and honor be unto you, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb of God forever and ever. So we pray this morning that even as we come to your word, Father, you will open our eyes to see who you really are. You open our ears to hear your voice, open our hearts to receive your word as it is. Not as the word of man, but as the word of God, which is able to make us wise for salvation. So comfort the afflicted and inflict the comfortable that your word will be found to be the two-edged sword that it is. Save the sinners, sanctify the saints. Warm the stubborn hearts that they too may bow before you and worship you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So crush our stubbornness, for your word is like a hammer. Your word is like fire. So purify us, shape and fashion us to the image of your glorious Son. This morning, we ask and we pray all this, O Father God, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, our soon-coming King. And may God's people say, Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles, the book of Daniel, chapter 2, this morning, and we read together from chapter 2, starting from verse 24, all the way to verse 35. The King's Nightmare. That's the theme and the title of our sermon this morning. Listen to the Word of God from verse 24. Then Daniel, therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the, the wise men of Babylon. He went and he said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring them. Bring me before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and he said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Bethshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reigns and who reveals mysteries and he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what would be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed came thoughts to you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. Verse 29. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But 
As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of my any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Then verse 1, Daniel continues to say, You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and in its appearance was frightening. Listen, the head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and the thigh of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly iron and partly clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out, of, out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet feet of iron and clay, and brought them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold, all together, they were broken in pieces, and became like the chaff of the summer, threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, so that no trace of them could be found but the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. The king's nightmare. We have seen from the beginning of this chapter, and as we looked from verses 1, and we saw here that the king had a dream. And this dream was concealed. And as this dream was concealed from the eyes and the heart of the king and his wise men, we saw that, that last week, this is what we saw. We saw that the king was troubled in heart. Life was a nightmare for this king. And even before the eyes of the people of Israel, at this particular time, as they are now in the land of Babylon in exile, life looked as though it was a nightmare. And the predicament did not just end with the king and the children of Israel, but we also saw here that the magicians, the men and the women who were regarded as the wise men of the land of Babylon, they too would face this predicament. In the eyes of the children of Israel, everything appeared as though it was a nightmare. Everything looked as though it was chaotic. In the eyes of the, those who were entrusted and they were called upon by the king to come and explain this dream to them too, this nightmare affected them. They were facing a nightmare of their lifetime, about to be executed by the king. And I want you to, to, to keep this as a way of introduction because in the face of this nightmare, a nightmare to the king, a nightmare by these magicians, a nightmare to the children of Israel because here are God's people expected to be a blessing to the nations. 
And they expected to always maybe receive the blessing of God. In their eyes, they looked at life as though it was a nightmare. But I want you to know, although everything looked as though it was a nightmare, everything was going according to God's perfect plan. Why am I saying that? Because the Lord God had promised to his people Israel in Deuteronomy 28. Listen to what God was saying in verse 15 of chapter 28 of Deuteronomy and verse 64 to 68. God had told his people, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, your God, this is Moses. If you will not be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes, that I command you today, then all these curses shall come and they shall overtake you. What curses? Among us the curses which God pronounces upon the children of Israel. This is why I'm saying this was a nightmare for Israel. Listen to verse 64 of chapter 28. And the Lord will scatter you among us all people from, uh, among us all people from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your fathers have known. Listen to verse 65. And among these nations you shall find no res respite, and there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot. But the Lord will give you there a trembling heart, falling eyes, and a languishing soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. Night and day you shall be in fear and have no assurance of life. Listen to verse 67 of chapter 28 of Deuteronomy. In the morning you shall say, if only it were evening. And in the evening you shall say, if it only it were morning. Because of the dread that you, your heart shall feel and the sights that your eyes shall see I will drive you to all the nations because of your unfaithfulness to this covenant I will send you out and there in those fallen nations you know what God is saying to Israel you have nightmares in the night you wish as though it was day in the day you wish it was night that maybe I may sleep but God is saying it shall not be like that you shall offer yourself for sale for your, to your enemies, male and female, but there shall be no one to buy you. Now, I want you to see it was the worst nightmare for the people of Israel. And as the king gets this dream, the king has this nightmare whilst the Israelites are in this particular place. And this is according to God's perfect plan. Everything here is going according to God's perfect plan. The consequences of the disobedience of God's people is that they were scattered, therefore. The first one is that they were captured by the Assyrians in 740 BC. Assyrians would come, they would take the ten tribes of Israel and they would send them to captivity. Then the second capture and the second exile is this one we find ourselves in the book of Daniel. They were now captured to Babylon. But everything, although it seemed as though it was a nightmare, it was going according to God's perfect plan. So the king has the dream. We saw last week, the king was baffled. The interpreters were blinded. But God reveals the dream to Daniel. 
and Daniel then bursts up in praise to God. This revelation that unfolds and brings about great mystery that we are hidden. The mystery that God reveals to Daniel, it's, it's a mystery that was hidden from the eyes and the hearts of the wise, the Chaldeans. It was a mystery that was hidden from the mighty, Nebuchadnezzar himself. It was a mystery that was hidden from the learned, the Chaldeans of the day. From those who reckoned and they were regarded to be spiritual, the magicians, the enchanters and the sorcerers. And upon receiving the revelation of this dream, Daniel therefore breaks up in praise unto God. And here's my proposition for today. Here are the three reasons why then you can join Daniel in praise to God in the face of panic. Or why you can still rejoice in God in the face of what may be regarded as a nightmare. Why should you join Daniel in this praise? Because you can see Daniel praises God in chapters 2 verses 20. Blessed the name of the God forever and ever to whom belongs wisdom and might. So I want to invite you this morning. To, to, to look at the three reasons why you can join Daniel in this praise. From verse 24 all the way to verse 44. The first reason why, the first one is that because the worldly wise are saved. That is the first reason why. Look at verse 24 with me. That's the first reason. This is why you must praise God because the worldly wise are saved. Out of this revelation, out of this interpretation, the first thing we are told is that they who were wise, according to the standards of this world, are saved. Look at verse 24 with me. Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in and he said, listen to this command of Daniel, do not... Destroy the wise men of Babylon. Do not destroy them. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Why am I calling them the worldly wise? I'm glad you ask. If you go to the book of James, James tells us, concerning the wisdom of the world, and I want you to see the characteristic and the nature of the wisdom of the world. Listen to James chapter 3 verses 13. James is asking this question, and he says from verse 13 all the way to verse 14. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his work in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, no art, do not boast and be false to truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It is earthly. How, how, it is unspiritual. It is demonic. For where there is jealousy and selfish ambitions exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. 
So what you see there, what James tells us, the wisdom of this age, it's, it's demonic. And everything that you have seen concerning the Chaldeans, everything you've seen concerning the enchanters, everything that we know about the soothsayers as they were summoned by the king. These will be men who are full of worldly wisdom. But yet it is to such that Daniel proclaims, requests, and he comes and is demanding that they will not be destroyed. These will be men who are full of confusion. Do not destroy these men, take me. Daniel, we, we have seen him that he has grown up in confidence in this God who owns history. As Daniel concentrates and he comes to the realization as to what is going to happen, he realizes that this God is actually perfectly working. There is nothing amiss. There is no need to panic. There is every reason to praise. So he demands that the unworthy subjects will be delivered. You see, these men are unworthy. They are, they, they, they are facing a sentence of death from the king. Remember that in chapter 2, verses 5? The king has said and has already condemned them. He said, you will be torn limb to limb. And in verses 9, the king will maintain to say, you know that I maintain my stance. There is no other sentence. I will dismember your parts. To the worldly wise condemned to die, Daniel comes and he comes and he tells Ariok to say that do not destroy these men. The king of the world had condemned them. Nebuchadnezzar, he had condemned them in chapter 2 verses 5 and verse 9. But I want you to know this, that these men, they faced another predicament because in their state, as sorcerers, as witches, they were also facing a condemnation from the king of the universe, God himself. In Exodus 22 verses 18, God say, you shall not permit a sorcerer to live. Yet, Daniel comes, constrained by the grace of God, he says, do not destroy them. Now, there's a reason why I'm emphasizing on this point, brothers and sisters, because I want you to know this, that as Daniel comes to these men, Daniel, yes, he has shown that he's growing in confidence. Yes, he's a man who has understood the plan and the purposes of God. But Daniel here is a man who has found grace before God. I want you to take note of that. In chapter 1 verses 9, we are told that Daniel found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That's what we are told. In chapter 2 verses 30, he also points the king to the one who has given him the gift in other words, Daniel realizes here that there is nothing that he has that God has not given him. Listen to verse 30. He says here in verse 30, he says, As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. Not because of any wisdom that I have. More than all the living. No, it's not because of me. I want you to see here, he is a partaker of the grace of God. Of God. 
So him, as a partaker of the grace of God, really understands that these men, although the law of Moses demands that these sorcerers would die, nor do not destroy them. Although the law of Moses in Exodus 22, 18 demands that they would die. This man, Daniel, does not go to Arioch and say, kill those witches. Yes, he knows that the king of the land has also sentenced himself included to death. But no, Daniel here, he is, he is a man who is a recipient of the grace of God. So I want you to see this revelation brings forth salvation to the worldly wise. The worldly wise are being saved. And you may be asking another question to say, what is it and what, why is Daniel here in this context, why is he so concerned that these men will not be destroyed? I want you to know here that Daniel knows that himself, his forefathers, they too have been unfaithful to the covenant of God. In Jeremiah 29, we are told God will tell his people, Israel, Jeremiah 29, just write these verses down. Verse 20 to 23, the Lord say, hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles, whom I'm sending away from Jerusalem to Babylon, Daniel included. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning Ahab, the son of Koliah, and Zedekiah, the son of Messiah, who are prophesying a lie to you in my name. Behold, I will deliver them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall strike them down before your eyes. Why? Because of them, this curse shall be used by all the exiles from Judah in Babylon. What is my point? I want you to know here that Daniel is included in this message that God is sending in Jeremiah 29 verse 20 to 30. He too, not only is he, is he subject to the sentence of the king of the land, he too is subject to the judgment of God. Because God would say in verse 23 of chapter 29, because my people, they have done outrageous things in Israel. They have committed adultery and their neighbors, they have committed adultery with their neighbor's wife. They have spoken in my name in lying words. I have not commanded them. I am the one who knows, and I am witness, declares the Lord. So Daniel knows very well, informed very well by the covenant promises and covenant stipulations as they were found and as they were spoken to him from God's word through prophet Jeremiah. And it is the same man who will be spoken about in Jeremiah 31, verses 2 to 3. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword, Daniel inclusive, they found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. So Daniel here, brothers and sisters, I want you to know, Daniel is a man who is a partaker of the grace of God. It is him who was a partaker of the new covenant found in Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Daniel will be among us the men, among us the women who receive that new covenant promise that promises forgiveness, mercy, pardon for the unworthy, 
Therefore, it is with that that Daniel then comes to these worldly wise and demands that they too will be saved. What do we learn from this? You see, beloved, in Christ, even in times such as this, if you and I have been partakers of the grace of God, we must be assured of this one truth, that the world around us in its wisdom did not find God. Even those who profess to be wise, the Bible tells us clearly that they have become fools. Even those who claim to be powerful, their power is stripped before a holy God, but it is to such who are wise in their own understanding, who are demonic, who are selfish and self-seeking, that the word of God is able to come and declare salvation. So this dream actually brings about salvation for the worldly wise. You can see the worldly wisdom in it, Woven in by this Ariok man. Look at verse 25. He brings Daniel before the king. And look at how self-centered he is. He said, I have found among us the, 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 the exiles from Judah. Can you see how self-centered he is? I have found them. I have found him. Then the king declares and the worldly wisdom that focuses on, on man. For man to bring the solution. Look at what the king says. The king declares to Daniel, and, uh, uh, whose name was Bathsheba. Look at verse 26. Are you able to make known to me the dream? The king here still has the worldly wisdom looking at men for solutions that only God can give. And Daniel, as a man who is able to understand and he knows that there is nothing he has that he has not received. Daniel points the king, he points Ariok and everyone else to this God. And he says in verse 21, 27, No wise men, no enchanters, no magicians, no astrologers can show the king this mystery. Verse 28, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Now the question is, what will be in the latter days? So then the first thing, the first thing is, is what do we see here? You can join Daniel in praise to God because this mystery which God has revealed of that which will happen in the latter days brings about, declares salvation for the unworthy subjects. There is deliverance of the unworthy subjects. But secondly, not only do we see the worldly wise saved, and we take this assurance to say those who are worldly wise will be saved too. Two, what the second thing we see is that the world kingdoms are shattered. That's what is revealed in this dream. The world kingdoms are shattered. Look with me from verse 31. Listen to these words from the lips of Daniel. Daniel says, You saw, O king, and behold a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you. And its appearance was frightening, rightly so. So the king was frightened at looking at this in his dream. 
And Daniel stands and he, he explains to the king what, what, what this, what seemed to be a nightmare is actually God's perfect plan in history. And I want you to see that what the king was perceiving, he was frightened with, was actually God's perfect plan as it is working out in history. And Daniel explains to him, he says, verse 37, look at verse 30, 33, he's saying verse 32, the head of this image was fine God. Its chest was uh, and arms of silver, its middle and thigh of bronze, of silver, its, its middle and the thigh of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet were part iron and partly clay. And as you looked, a stone was cut out from the mountain. And we're coming to that. But I want you to see here, these kingdoms of men, as they stood, as to what the king is seeing, he's seeing the head of God. Verse 37 to verse 38 tells us that what this is, this will be Babylon itself. You can also see in the book of Daniel chapter 7, we are going to come to this. At Daniel chapter 7, in Daniel chapter 7, these kingdoms are also explained and they are clarified in Daniel chapter 7. You have the lion with the eagle's wings in Daniel chapter 7. Here we find in Daniel chapter 2, the breast and the arms of silver. And in Daniel chapter 7, we are given the image of a bear. In, in, in the, the third one is the belly and the thigh of brass. In chapter 7, we are given an animal there. That beast is a leopard. The legs of iron and the feet, part iron and part clay, also are given in the book of Daniel chapter 7, we are given there. There, there, there is a beast with ten horns. Now, I want you to see here as to the meaning and to the interpretation of this as it is given to Daniel. Daniel clearly tells us, especially in chapter number 2, he tells us that this first kingdom is Babylon. This is what history revealed. Babylon then will become the world superpower from 605 BC all the way to 539 BC. The second kingdom will be Medo-Persia. Medo-Persians, they will come and they will rise. You can actually see in Daniel chapter 5. They will come and they are going to rise from 539 BC all the way to 331 BC. The Medo-Persians would come and they would go. And upon them, they will be defeated by the Greece. And the Greece will become the world superpowers and they will also reign for a time until they are also defeated by the Romans. Now I want you to see here and ponder with me that what seemed as though was a nightmare in the eyes of Nebuchadnezzar was God's perfect plan working out in time and in history. What we see in Daniel chapter 2, these emperors to Nebuchadnezzar, they come in form, they are imposing human image composed of four parts. Now you may wonder to say, okay, does it mean then uh, Daniel for some reason, he also had to sleep and he had to look into this thing and God had to reveal this to him. What is the point of reference? I want you to know that the scriptures were at this point in time and are 
a point of reference to Daniel. What's informing, what's even inspiring for Daniel to say what he is saying, in as much as it's God who is revealing this to him, this is not the first time that God is revealing this to Daniel. Why are you saying that, Gideon? You may ask. I'm glad you ask. Now, I want you to quickly then, I want you to quickly, ne? quickly, go to, the book of, go to the book of Daniel, the same book of Daniel, go to chapter 9. Quickly, then we are going to go to Jeremiah. Here's my, my argument. Go to the book of Daniel, chapter 9, and I want you to see here, this is what this man, in as much as he was a man of prayer, he was a man of praise, he was also a man of the word. Look at verse 1 to verse 2, only. Verse 1 to verse 2. He says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descendant Emid, who was made king over the reign of the Chaldeans, in the first year, I, Daniel, perceived where in the book the number of years that according to the word of the Lord, to whom? Jeremiah, the prophets. So this man is spending time in the word of God. And, and the book that he has at this particular time, arguably, he has the book of Jeremiah. And he says he understood that the time for them to be in exile was supposed to be 70 years. That is Jeremiah chapter 25. In Jeremiah 25, God tells the Israelites that as you are going to exile in Babylon, you shall be there for 70 years. But that is not my point. My point is actually in Jeremiah 27. Now I want you to see in Jeremiah 27 and see how that piece of the scripture, Jeremiah 27 verse 4 to 7, how it actually ties in and connects to this interpretation of the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. Listen to what, what Jeremiah would say in, God would say through Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah 27. Listen to this word. Give them this charge for their masters. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, this is what you shall say to your masters. It is I who by my great power and my outstretched arm, I have made the earth with the, the, with, with the men and the animals that are on the earth. And I, the Lord, the creator of the earth, I have given, I, have, I give it to whomever it seems right to me. Who is it belonging to right now? Listen to verse 6. Now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I have given him also the beast of the field to serve him. All nations, they shall serve him, and his sons and his grandsons. But there's an expiry date. <laughs> Until the time of his own land comes, then many nations and great kings shall make him their slave. Yes, he might be the world's superpower now, but the kingdoms of men will be shattered. 
The kingdoms of men are not eternal. The kingdoms of men have an expiry date. Kings come, kings go. Why? Because we were told in Daniel chapter 2, verses 21, that God, he is the one who changes times and seasons. He is the one who removes kings and he sets up kings. Christian, you can be comforted. You can, even now, praise this God who controls times and seasons. That's why it has been said that history is his story. So you can praise him. You can praise him who is sovereign over all things. You can praise him who is in charge over all things. You can praise him who is able to do that which he pleases. You can praise him who owns the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. You can praise him in whom we live, we move, and we have our being. You can praise him. Because not only does he save the worldly wise, but the kingdoms, the worldly kingdoms, the worldly kings are shattered. Lastly, why you can join Daniel in praising God is because the worthy king will reign supreme. You can still praise God in what may seem to be chaotic, in what may seem to be a nightmare, in what may seem to be uh, something that will not keep us to sleep, in what may seem to be judgment, you can still praise God because the king who is worthy will reign supreme. Look with me, verses 34. Daniel says, as I looked, a stone was cut. It was cut out not by human hands. And this stone struck the image on its feet, shatters the kingdoms of men, iron and clay, and brought them in pieces. It shatters them. The iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold, all together, they were broken in pieces and became like chaff on the summer threshing floor, and the wind colored them away. So the no trace of them could not be found but the stone but the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and it filled the whole earth now as you look at the history of the world brothers and sisters the babylonians came and they went the Medo persians they came and they reigned the greece came and they were conquered by the romans and it was during the time of the Romans that Jesus Christ would come, his first advent. He would come and he would descend and he would set up his kingdom here on earth. He will come and he will begin the mission. As we see it here, it struck the image. It became a great mountain. It filled the whole earth. Jesus Christ is referred to as a stone. You know, to God, Jesus Christ is referred to as smitten stone. In Exodus chapter, in, in Exodus chapter 17, verses 6, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4, Paul would tell us that the stone which Moses had struck was Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4, Paul tells us that. To Israel, however, this Jesus is a stumbling block. We are told 
about this in the book of First Peter, chapter 2, verses 8. Listen to what Peter says concerning this Jesus. As a stumbling block to the Jews, as a stumbling stone to the Jews. First Peter chapter 2, verses 7 to verses 8. Listen to what Peter says. So honor, so the, the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And in verse 8 of First Peter chapter 2, he is a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. Why? They stumble because they disobey the word as they are destined to. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you. So Christ then becomes, to God, he is a smitten stone. To the Jews, he is the Messiah. He is a stumbling block. Romans chapter 9 verse 33 tells us that as well. He is a stumbling stone to the Jews. To the church, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He is a cornerstone. Chapter 2 of 1 Peter, we are told, for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers and sisters, Christ Jesus, a smitten stone to God, a stumbling stone to the Jews, a cornerstone to the church. But as we look in the book of Daniel chapter 2, this stone is a growing stone. It is a stone that will one day take preeminence and is the one who reigns above all things. He is the one who has authority over all things. Can you see here that as we come then to the, the, what may seem and appears to be a nightmare to King Nebuchadnezzar is actually God's perfect plan. It is this God who is calling you. It is this God who is worthy of all your praise even this morning. Do you see here brothers and sisters that God does not play games. Do you see that he means business? He is not about tweaking and trying to, 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 to make us comfortable. No, he is here and his desire is to try to conquer our rebel hearts. That's his desire. He is not trying to tighten up our lives. He wants to break us down and to put us together. He wants to break our kingdoms and we are to submit before him. That those who felt that they were invincible, and we can see here, those kingdoms of men, they felt that they were invincible. Now they are conquered by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Those who felt that their dominion will stand forever, their dominion is now a disaster. All their treasures are proved to be but trash. The kings will be but slaves before him who reigns and rules forever. He is more than a subject to be studied, but he is the king to be submitted to. He needs and he calls forth for men to subject themselves to him. He is more than just a figure in history. He is the author of history itself. History belongs to him. 
Some might read this story and they may feel like the king was treated too roughly, maybe too harshly. Or some may see this and they may say, but maybe you are just making this up, but this is history working out. Everything may seem as though it's a nightmare to us right now. We may look at the arrogance of men. We may look at their antagonism towards God. As we move up in the outskirts of Africa, we see animism. As we move in the city, we see crime. We see diseases in the hospitals. We see disobedience of children to parents. We see disorder and divorce among us. We see a devotion to the doctrine of de de demons among us. Aren't we? False prophets all over the place. Guilty men walking as though they were free. Hatred among us people, homosexuality, wars and rumors of wars, pestlessness, pretense and hypocrisy, men having a form of godliness, yet they deny the power thereof. We're seeing men who are pleasure seekers, politicians who are hungry for power. We're seeing a zeal for the kingdom of God as lost among us believers. All oh, seems as though like it's a nightmare, doesn't it? But God, God is working out his perfect plan. He has already warned us in the last days, as Christ would tell you, as he sat on that Mount of Olives with his disciples, he tells them, do not be alarmed. Nations will rise against nations. Kingdoms will rise against kingdoms. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes. There will be, there will be earthquakes in various places. There will be wars and rumors of wars. Famine, pestilences. Some of you will be put to death for my name's sake. It is going to be perceived as though it is a nightmare. But that which is perceived as a nightmare, it is not a nightmare. It is God's perfect plan waking out his clock is winding all things are heading to his throne and all men shall be held as subjects before him all kingdoms of men will bow before the kingdoms of our God church of Jesus Christ you have come to this kingdom of God that cannot be shaken we have come to Mount Zion of God, and Jesus Christ, who is the judge to come, is our Savior, and it is Him we worship. You see, as the church, even as Africa, we fall into syncretism. We are enticed by many idols, such as greed, power, and success. We serve mammon rather than we serve God. No wonder churches are closed, but bars and other casinos can be open. We accept dominant political and economic ideologies without biblical critique and we attempted to compromise our belief in the unique and in the uniqueness of Christ under such pressure we come and we submit ourselves to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords it is him we give the glory it is him we worship it is him we praise that even in the face of what may seem to be calamity there we fall down and we bow if you are there and you do not know this God, there is a worse nightmare coming. Worse than what we are facing now. But before that time is up, Christ Jesus 
pleads with you and he says, come to me. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he says as well in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verses 12, Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me, and I will repay to each man according to his works. Therefore, can you come before him, forsake your works, and trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross? Cast yourself there. He became sin on your behalf, that you may become the righteousness of God in him. So submit yourself unto God. Because even the worldly wise are saved. Submit yourself unto God. Because it is Him who subdues and shatters the kingdoms of men. And He is the one who must reign as King and God over your heart. It is before this supreme God, this supreme King, we bow and we worship. And we shall forever worship. Even in the face of death. Death is not an end, but it is just the beginning. Shall we bow our heads and we praise God for what he has done for us in Christ Jesus. Our Father and our God, we bow before you this morning. We acknowledge, O oh God, this morning that it is our greatest grief that the world that we live in does not glorify you. Forgive us that even though we realize that it should be our greatest grief that in our world the living God is not glorified. The living God is denied in aggressive atheism. The one true God is replaced and is dishonored amongst us. Yet, as we look in the world, as we look in your word, we turn our eyes and we see that you are working out indeed everything, 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 everything for our good. You are in charge. So we yield ourselves to you. And for the three reasons why we must worship you, we must worship you because you are able to save the worldly wise and we are the worldly wise. We must praise you together with Daniel because you are able to shatter the kingdoms of men and our kingdoms would, 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 would fall before you. The kingdoms of this world are insignificant in your sight. So we ask that you reign as king over our hearts. Reign as king over your people. For everything, everything who one day stand before you. And we desire that you cause our eyes to be fixed on you. You forgive us of our indifference, of our lack of zeal and our passion. You call us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. So we yield ourselves to your kingdom this morning. If there is a brother or sister who do not know you, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will shatter their kingdom. You will shatter his rebellion. You will shatter his addiction. You will shatter his self-worship. And that together we may fall and bow before you, 
who was slain to redeem us back to the Lord our God. It is in your name we ask. It is in your name we pray. May God's people say amen. May the Lord God bless you richly. It's been a blessing to share God's word with you. And if you desire to receive this uh, sermon uh, on audio format, please send us an email or write to us via our Facebook page. And until next time, may the Lord God bless you richly. You are with me, your brother in Christ, Gideon and Penny. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. O great God of highest heaven, occupy my lowly heart. Own it all and reign supreme, conquer every rebel power. Let no vice or sin remain that resists your holy war. You have loved and purchased me make me yours forevermore i was blinded by my sin had no ears to hear your voice did not know your love within had no taste for heaven's joys then your spirit gave me life, opened up your word to me. Through the gospel of your Son, gave me endless hope and That's dependent on your grace Keep my heart and guard my soul From the evils that I face You are worthy to be praised With my every thought and deed Oh great God of highest heaven Glorify your name